Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D. Welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. This is a show that is designed to inform and to inspire you to a healthier lifestyle. I am your host, Diane A. Thompson, MD, and as always, it is my pleasure spending time with you on this broadcast with the goal that perhaps you may learn something new that may take your health and your life to a higher level. I would like to remind you that the information provided is for educational purposes only and is not intended for diagnosis or treatment. Please seek the advice of your healthcare provider, before making any changes to your health. All right, so this week we will be continuing with our topic of cardiovascular health. And tonight we will be talking with uh, a cardiologist where we'll be focusing specifically on heart disease in women. Uh, Before we do so, I wanted to share a few of the recent studies that have come out. Uh, these studies actually affect your cardiovascular health. And one recent study that was done in Ireland found that low-dose aspirin may increase survival and heart failure. This particular study used 75 milligrams of aspirin per day, and they found that there was a 42% mortality reduction over several years in a group of patients who were participating in the Heart Failure Disease Management Program. So what does this mean for you? Well, if you are someone with heart failure, uh, this does not mean that you begin taking aspirin on your own. What it should do for you, though, is if you are not currently on aspirin, you should have a conversation with your primary care provider or your cardiologist to see if low-dose aspirin would be appropriate or beneficial for you. All right, and then the second study we wanted to take a look at This is a study that actually talks about something that perhaps many of us are very familiar with. We're guilty of it, but I suspect we know this. And what the study showed was that when we consume sugary foods and beverages, that it's actually not good for us. Uh, We already know this, as I said. Many of us consume way too much sodas and fruit drinks and candies and baked goods. Well, The National Health and Nutritional Examination Survey, they analyzed data extending back over 25 years, and they found that regularly drinking as little as one 12-ounce sugary soda per day may increase the risk of cardiovascular disease by about 30%. Yes, I said it, 30%. And this did not take into account the calories or obesity or other risk factors. In other words, we are consuming way too much sugary foods and beverages, and this is bad for us, and the studies are showing that. So another thing that you can easily do to improve your cardiovascular health is to decrease the amount of those sugary beverages that you consume. And the third study I wanted to uh, highlight for you today, and 
This one, you know, it's simple, but it's so important. I've always suggested to people that whenever they're making any changes in their lives, consider getting an accountability buddy, a fitness buddy, support from people that you know and love. A lot of times when we make goals, whether it's health goals, financial goals, fitness goals, when we make these goals in silence, we make them by ourselves, with ourselves, there's no one to hold us accountable, and many times we fail. And, you know, a lot of times if you can get someone to work out with you, get someone to get into this, whatever habit you're trying to get in, whatever healthy habit, you get someone to get on board with you. A lot of times that support can really take you a far away. So this particular study found that married couples who attended weight loss programs together may actually lose more weight, they eat more nutritious foods, and they tend to lower their blood pressures than their single counterparts. And so basically the study looked at 1,753 subjects, and these people were enrolled in one of three evidence-based weight loss programs. And they looked at a group of married couples, and the other group was was that of um, uh, married people who did not have their spouses participating with them. And then they evaluated them after six months, and they found that the couples who enrolled together actually lost an average of 5.32% more weight than the other participants who did not enroll as a couple. So they found that the married couple, again, tended to eat more vegetables, they ate less fat, they on average lost more weight, and as I said, they tended to lower their blood pressure more. So here's the morale of this story is that, you know, get someone involved when you're doing this fitness. A lot of us may not necessarily have husbands or wives to work out with us, but if you can get an accountability buddy or a friend involved, this may take you even further towards your goals. And interestingly enough, on this particular study, they did find that husbands tended to benefit more than wives when they participate. <laughs> when they participated, I think that was quite interesting. So again, three little studies to highlight that little things that we can do, whether it's getting involved with whatever activity with someone else uh, that will encourage us and will support us and you'll get feedback and you'll help each other, or eliminating sugary beverages like that, that soda that you pick up to drink that has no health benefits and in fact can hurt you. And pay attention to those things and those little things can really add up to a lot. All right, so we will be taking a short break. And when we come back, we are going to be talking to cardiologist Dr. Jonathan Dubin about uh, our cardiovascular disease, but particularly heart disease in women. We've known for years that heart disease was a big thing in our male patients. And then over the recent years, Many of us are now embracing the idea that, in fact, it is a very important thing for women. If you ask many women out there in the street, they will tell you that it's breast cancer they need to worry about. What we know is that heart disease is the number one killer for both men and women. More men die of heart disease, yes, 
but women are also affected. And in fact, more women die of heart disease than they do breast cancer. So we really want to spend some time looking at the impact of heart disease in women, looking at some of the signs and symptoms that may be unique to women, and looking at ways in which you can do simple things, simple things to get yourself healthy. And if you've been diagnosed with heart disease, and, and Dr. Jubin will talk about that a little bit, it's not the end of the world. We'll talk about things that you can do to continue to keep yourselves healthy. So please come back with us. And I promise you after the break, you will learn some really good information that can take your health and your life to a higher level. We'll be right back. Dr. Diane A. Thompson is a physician, writer, speaker, and the radio host of the popular syndicated show, Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. You may also listen to her live on Atlanta Broadcasting Network, 1570 AM WIGO, every Friday at 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To contact Dr. Diane A. Thompson, go to her website and sign up for updates at drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thompson. Now back to our show. Welcome back. Tonight we continue our focus on heart disease, and we will specifically look at heart disease in women. To help me do this is cardiologist Dr. Jonathan Dubin. Dr. Dubin has been a cardiologist with over 25 years of experience. He received his medical degree from Harvard Medical School and completed his training in internal medicine at New York Hospital Cornell Medical Center, his fellowship in cardiology at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center, and fellowship in echocardiography at New York Hospital Cornell Medical Center. He is board certified in internal medicine, cardiology, and echocardiography. He is the Director of Echocardiography at Sinai Hospital of Baltimore and an Instructor of Medicine at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Dr. Dubin, welcome to the show. Yes, thanks for having me, Diane. All right, so as I said, we, we are continuing on with this topic of heart disease, and I wonder if you could shed some light for us on the significance of heart disease in women. Sure. Well, heart disease in general is very common in the United States, and we all know that it's more common in men. However, there's a significant number of women in the United States that have it. It's estimated that over 42 million women in the United States have heart disease. That's enough to fill up 70 football stadiums, so that's a lot of people. Uh, What's also notable is that even though more men have heart disease, more women die of heart disease. So it's a very serious problem in women. And in fact, it's been shown that there's more heart disease in women than breast cancer and lung cancer combined. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think for a long time people have always assumed that it's breast cancer, that that women's issue is really breast cancer. I think many people didn't realize how many women actually have heart disease. And one of the things you mentioned is that more women die of heart disease. Why do you think that is? Well, it's not, it's not really, we're not really sure why. We do know that the symptoms of heart disease are different in women than in men. And probably that's one of the reasons why it's not recognized as easily in, in women. 
I see. Now, how does heart disease affect women specifically? Well, the most common heart disease in the United States in men and women is coronary artery disease. That's the disease that causes heart attacks. We also see some other types of heart disease in women. The, it's not a common disease, but there is a heart disease called a broken heart syndrome that is more common in women than in men. And can you elaborate a little bit more on this a broken heart syndrome? Sure. The broken heart syndrome, the other name for that is, is stress cardiomyopathy. Basically, it's a type of heart attack that's caused by a sudden stressful episode. And we see it most, it's not a common disease, but we do see it much more commonly in women than in, than men, and it's not caused by blockage in the artery, as most heart attacks are caused. Hmm. And, and I think a little bit later maybe we'll talk um, some more about that. But in general, because you, you mentioned coronary artery disease and then you mentioned uh, this other one that's specifically found more so in women, in general, how, how is someone diagnosed with heart disease? Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, well, first of all, if someone has any kind of symptom that could be related to the heart, the most common symptom, of course, is chest pain. But there are other symptoms that can be heart-related, such as can be related to the heart, such as shortness of breath. If someone has a sudden weakness or lightheadedness, that can be associated with the heart, fatigue. And as I said, chest pain is the most common, but people can also have chest pains in other parts of the body. They can have pain in their shoulder, in their arm, particularly in the left arm. Uh, we've also had people who have had pain in their neck and jaw, and that is heart-related pain. We've had people who have gone to the dentist and have teeth pulled, and then we, then we find out later that the pain was actually coming from the heart. So any, any, any symptom that's related, that we think could be related to the heart, we are, of course, suspicious then. If we think that it's coronary heart disease, we'll send someone for a stress test. And that's the most common way that we diagnose heart disease in people. Can you talk a little bit about what a stress test entails? Yes. With a stress test, the most common type of stress test, we have someone walk on a treadmill. And while they're walking on the treadmill, we monitor their heart, we monitor the electrical activity of the heart, and we have them walk at progressively faster levels. If someone is having insufficiency, that is if they have a blockage in their artery to their heart, then we will see abnormalities on the, the electrical activity of the heart. And that will give us an indication that someone has a blockage in their artery. I see. You talk a little bit about some of the signs and symptoms to look for. Are there any ones that are specific to women where you probably wouldn't necessarily see it in a man? Again, the most common symptom that we see in men and women is chest pain. However, we may, in, there may be people who may just feel short of breath. They may have short of breath with, the, with exertion, and that could be a sign that their heart's not getting enough blood. They may be feeling excessively fatigued, whereas they could do a, a certain amount of activity, and then all of a sudden that same activity is making them very tired. If someone is feeling nauseous and we don't have another reason to explain it, that can also be a manifestation of heart disease. 
Okay. Now, I wanted to address a few of the myths that are out there about heart disease. One that you may commonly hear, people assume that heart disease only affects old people. You'll see that sometimes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, certainly heart disease is more common in older people, but we see people, we're seeing more and more of heart disease in younger people. And unfortunately, the reason for that is a lot of young people have bad habits, particularly cigarette smoking. Cigarette smoking is probably the most common cause of heart disease in a younger person. The other risk factors for heart disease that can occur in younger people are high blood pressure, hypertension, diabetes, and high cholesterol. Okay, and uh, another uh, myth that we sometimes hear when you talk to patients about prevention for heart disease, they'll sometimes say, I have a family history of heart disease. It doesn't matter what I do. Nothing is going to prevent me from getting it. What do you say to these people? Well, certainly if you have a family history of heart disease, you have, that is a major risk factor for getting it yourself. Unfortunately, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So if someone in your family, particularly your parents, has it, you do have an increased likelihood to have it. However, there are other risk factors that can be modified, and the most, and the other most common or the, the biggest heart risk factors are high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, and smoking, tobacco abuse. So those are the things that can be changed or can be altered, what we call lifestyle changes. Uh, but certainly, if you do have a family history, you you need to to be aware and look out for potential symptoms of having heart disease. Another myth is, um, you know, people who are out there who are exercising and they're fit, and they may feel that perhaps because they are fit, they will never get heart disease. Can you comment on that? Well, certainly if you, if you ex- exercise and being active is one way to reduce your risk, of heart disease, but if you have other risk factors such as high cholesterol or, or diabetes or if you smoke and or, and or have hypertension, then you're still, those are still risk factors. So just exercising in and of itself is not going to prevent you from getting heart problems. And one of the things that you'll hear thrown around is someone will say, I had a silent heart attack. Can you talk about what does that mean in the in the medical community? Yes. Well, Approximately one out of four heart attacks are silent, and that means that someone will have a heart attack, they'll have an injury to the heart, and will not have a symptom from it. And these are the people that you hear that have never had a problem, and all of a sudden they drop dead. Or they'll they'll not have a symptom at all, and then later on they'll have an EKG, or they'll have some other heart test, and there'll be an abnormality of it. So it is... It is not a, it's not a common thing, but we, we certainly see it. And it's the people who have the symptoms who are not silent that we try to identify and try to begin treatment as soon as possible. All right. So let's continue on. This is quite interesting. Can you talk about prevention? So specifically, what is it that we should be doing if we really want to prevent ourselves from getting heart disease? Well, at my hospital, we have a campaign called the Know Your Numbers campaign. And basically, there are four or five major 
numbers that we get from either measurements or from blood tests that can quantify what your risk of having a heart problem is. So, of course, one of the main numbers is your cholesterol. You want to have a total cholesterol less than 200, your blood pressure. The, the latest guidelines for blood pressure is having a blood pressure less than 140 over 90. Knowing your glucose is important to know whether or not you have diabetes. And then the other number is your weight or your body mass index. It's been shown that if you're your body max, mass index, that is the appropriate weight for your height, is 25 or less, then you have a lower risk for not only heart disease, but for a lot of other different medical problems. And that blood pressure that you mentioned, with um, someone who has uh, other comorbidities, such as diabetes, would that be a different number? Well, the latest guidelines is that it, for people less than 65, you want to have a blood pressure less than 140 over 90. And for people over 65, then it's, it's 150 over 90. All right. And the other thing I wanted to address is in terms of prevention is the diet. Um, we know that there are different diets out there where it's recommended that if you try these diets, if you eat a certain way, that you may decrease your risk of heart disease. Can you talk a little bit about how should someone eat to protect themselves from heart disease? Well, basically, you want to have a low-calorie diet so that you're not overweight, and you want to have a diet that's high in fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables have been shown to be high in the mineral potassium. And potassium has been shown to be very good for your heart and for the blood vessels. It's shown to to be protective of your heart in terms of heart attacks. It's also been shown to be protective in terms of lowering blood pressure. On Alternatively, you want to avoid foods that have a lot of sodium. Sodium has been clearly shown to increase blood pressure. And it's been shown that by reducing the sodium in your diet, just by reducing sodium and nothing else, you can reduce, reduce your risk of having a heart attack by 20%. So basically, you want to have a diet that's high in fruits and vegetables, high in potassium, and low in sodium. So you also want to have a diet that's low in cholesterol. And any suggestion for, for people who are trying to, you mentioned the calories, cutting out their calories, any recommendation as to how to approach that? Well, there's two diets that I recommend to most of my patients. One is called the DASH diet. DASH stands for Dietary Approach to Stop Hypertension, so that's D-A-S-H. And they have a website, and you can look about, you can look at the diet, and you can see the food that they recommend and the number of servings and examples of the servings, things like that. Uh, the other diet that I recommend to my, a lot of my patients is, is called the 8-hour diet. And with that diet, it's been shown not only to be a healthy diet, but also a good weight loss diet. We've been talking about prevention. And, of course, you, you gave the numbers earlier. So we know that there are plenty of people out there who have already gotten the diagnosis of heart disease. So let's talk a little bit about those people. Any suggestion for how a person who already received a diagnosis, how they can live a healthy life despite the diagnosis of heart disease? Well, basically, you want to adhere to the lifestyle changes that your doctor, doctor recommends. So you 
want to exercise on a regular basis, you want to avoid salty foods and high cholesterol foods, you want to make sure that your blood pressure is well controlled, and, and of course, you, you want to avoid smoking because smoking is probably one of the worst things you can do for heart disease. These cigarettes smoke, among other things, contains carbon monoxide, which is the same gas that comes out of your car, and that has a, a direct toxic effect to your arteries in your heart and pretty much everywhere else. And the cigarette smoke also contains nicotine. Nicotine is a drug in cigarettes that causes your arteries to go into spasm and it leads to heart attacks and also strokes. And for such a person who is already diagnosed with heart disease, what are limitations on their lives? For example, are they able to um, have sexual intercourse? Can they still go back to exercising? Well, to determine someone's capacity to exercise, we usually have someone do a stress test. If someone is able to pass the at least the first stage of a stress test, then that shows that it's safe to, well, well certainly it's safe to have sexual activity if you can pass the first stage. And then we, if someone is able to go higher stages, that'll let us know to, to what level they can push themselves. Excellent. My final question for you, Dr. Dubin, I love to leave my listeners with a tip that I feel they can implement right away to make some changes in their health. So what would you say, I know you've shared a lot already tonight, but what would you say is the single most important thing a woman could do today to decrease her risk of getting heart disease? First of all, know your numbers. That's the main thing. You want to know what your cholesterol is. You want to know what your blood pressure is. You want to make sure you don't have diabetes. So those are, those are the main things I recommend. And then be on a healthy diet. I mentioned two diets that, that are well-recommended that are heart-healthy diets, and that's the DASH diet and the 8-hour diet. And I'll make sure to have information on those diets on uh, my Facebook page. And like you said, knowing your numbers, it's important. You can't fix something if you don't know that there is a problem. All right, so thank you for being on the show. How may our listeners contact you? We're in Baltimore. I work with Baltimore Heart, and our website is baltimoreheart.com, and you can contact our main number in Baltimore Heart, and that's 410-521-5600. And, of course, Dr. Dubin is available for consultation as well as speaking engagements. So now you know that heart disease is the number one killer for both men and women, and you have information that can put you in the driver's seat of your own health and your own life. Remember, your health is your wealth, so do something healthy for yourself. Until next time, everyone. You've been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. Please join us every other Sunday on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com slash Thompson at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to listen to past shows, or would like our free ebook on stress, please visit www.drdianethompson.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thompson. Remember, your health is your wealth. So do something healthy today.